Welcome back to another Fireside Chat. This is our Fireside Chat 41. And uh, this time uh, we were discussing among ourselves what are some of the key practices that, that we use or techniques that we use, some of the ones that we like and dislike. And, and domain-driven design always come to mind, right? So when you talk about design and modeling, and then we were asking, like, is it really worth the effort? Because, like, I believe that all of us have some sort of, uh, sometimes even a different understanding of what domain-driven design means. So there is a lot of confusion in there, what it really is. Uh, also, how do you apply, right? And, and, it, and, and we see, quite often see the, the, the side effects of its application, sometimes good side effects, sometimes bad side effects. And, and then we say, why is it really worth the effort? This is what we would like today. But before, uh, like to discuss today, but before we start, as always, as you are already here, so if you enjoy those chats, uh, please subscribe to the channel so you are notified. We are always doing the lives, uh, the fireside chat live now. So you are subscribed and there is a new one coming up. And also it's an opportunity for you to join us, uh, see everything else that we are doing uh, in terms of other content and also interact with us. So during this episode, I really expect your collaboration. So this is a sometimes controversial topic. So send us your questions, your comments, and uh, and yeah, so be part of the discussion. So back to the topic, uh, domain-driven design. Uh, so I think that I'll, I'll, I'll start saying, explain what I understand by domain-driven design, right? So I think that that's probably what I would like. For me, Domain-driven design is a body of knowledge. This is how I see domain-driven design. It's a body of knowledge that started in 2004 with the Blue Book from, by Eric Evans. And since then, it evolved. A lot of other people joined the, the discussion. Communities were created. New concepts were introduced. Uh, more books were published, like Von Vernon published the, the Red Book and the Green Book. So a lot of people contributed with evolutions. But for me, is Domain-driven design is a body of knowledge focused on modeling systems using what we call the ubiquitous language, making sure that the systems, uh, they reflect how organizations work. So this is for me, in a nutshell, this is what domain-driven design is. The devil is in the details, right? So how do we get to, to this state? And, and, and guys, what, what do you think about domain-driven domain design? Is it worth the effort? I, I would like to add uh, one more thing to that, which is that uh, in part that design is to reflect the domain no, or the business. So the, the part of what I think was quite interesting, no, using the ubiquitous language, the idea was to have the domain be represented by the by the code, so to speak, no, and and that drive everything else. And the the, the thing that I, that I think was quite interesting here is that before that, you know, you would start like defining the database, no, or defining, you know, how am I going to store stuff? And then from there, you would kind of drive out what you know parts you wanted and so on. And this has an approach that starts with the business in mind and how the business is supposed to function instead of trying to fit the software, no, or, or try to, to make those two fit without 
uh, without thinking about it, so to speak, right? And I think that's the, the uh, quite an interesting part uh, around what it brings to the table. Um, so yeah, back to your question, which by the way, I don't remember where we are. Is it worth it? Yeah, okay. So this is, this is, I personally think that it depends. Because no, the thing is that, let, let me explain. The first like, if, you have a domain, if you have a complex domain, I think if you have a complex domain where you, you can actually, um, you know, you need to have that, understanding between the, between the business and technology in order to make sure that everything fits, uh, yes, you you do need it. It will make things easier for you, yeah, overall. I like the, the success of whatever it is that you're building, uh, you know, you, you, you will at least collaborate better, so to speak, or at least that's the plan, no? Uh, but when it's something that, you know, it's quite simple or when it's something that, it's it's not really like a very complex domain. There might be you know pre-made solutions that you can just pick and adapt and so on. You know, just use what you have in there, right? Like I wouldn't use I don't know domain-driven design for a blog. You know what I mean? Like that's that's something that it's a problem that's been solved <laughs> lots of times. You know, it's it's quite well no no there's a lot of off the shelf stuff if you want to customize it or whatever you'll be able to do that as well so again it's not a it's not a clear cut for me because how how complex is complex enough that it uh, it requires uh, that kind of thinking no or that kind of approach uh, but in general you know 90% of the cases <laughs> are not that uh, that too bad, let's say. Um, especially, I don't know, if, if you go into some of the, uh, let's say, the, the architectural types or, or patterns that are associated with the, the you know, like uh, things like CQRS and, and this kind of stuff, which is, which try to solve all the kind of problems that a lot of this, a lot of systems don't have, but you're still putting it in there just in case, you know, at some point we grow so much and, you know, we're not scalable enough or whatever. So the, all of that premature optimization can happen very quickly if you go down that route and you, you're you not kind of paying attention to what the tool is, is mm -hmm. let's say, advising you to do, which is how to think about building the software, in my, in my opinion, how to think about business or more than... Uh, using some particular patterns or some particular, you know, architectures that are associated with it, which is what a lot of people do, right? So, so Mesh, like Jose has been taking the the, the the point of the complexity and when to apply or not. The, so, is there any other perspective for some in terms of is it worth doing or not? Because uh, there is like the suitability, there are even some questions about the suitability for the major design in certain contexts. Uh, but the yeah, so so from from your perspective, what what do you think about? Is it worth it? Uh, I think the intent of it is essential. <clears throat> so I'm not like I would take away, you know, like for example, off the shelf stuff. Right, domain driven design is about designing system, and the premise is that you're designing it, you're building it from mostly from scratch or something similar, right? So you're in that domain. But I would say that even if you were writing a blog but not using the off the, fun, off the shelf thing, then then 
then it is still applicable. But going to the very basics, it's about the intent. The intent, in my view, of domain-driven design is is that you know reveals intent part of the four rules of simple design, or you know it's or the you can even talk about metaphor in XP and so on because. What it is actually what you're trying to do is you're trying to reveal. So one aspect, if you just look at it from a code perspective, you're trying to make sure that what you are representing the code is actually the um, representation. Represent, it, it aligns very well with the real world of what the problem that this this solution is for, right? So so the two are well aligned, and and you know you can understand it by understanding the problem you can then reason about the, the solution. So that intent, I think, is great. Um, there, are, there are some aspects of domain-driven design which I think are about exploring the problem space, which I also love. So this is the strategic aspect, and maybe we can later even describe the strategic and the tactical aspect of, of domain-driven design. So to me, the strategic aspect of domain-driven design is about problem exploration, understanding the problem, understanding the domain itself. And the tactical aspect is, is a very prescriptive view on what the solution should be or how the solution should be structured, right? And to me, way of putting, yeah. yeah. And to me, I think that part, and I think Eric Evans in, in the end as well downplayed that, even though it was the, the biggest part of the book. And although it said first half, I think it was very big <laughs> in the first half of the book. But to me, I personally, like I would like stick my neck out and not say it depends. I would say the problem exploration through the domain-driven design methods or it's a domain-driven design strategic model is a very good method for problem exploration, strategic part. The domain-driven design tactical part is, is not well, yeah. So, so I, I, I'm not sure Still if I see. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure if I see it like that. So, I mean, like, I agree with a lot of things, but the way I see it, every system, regardless of how complex, they need to be reasoned about. They need to be explored. You need to design them. How far you go in the design and the complexity of the design that you use will vary according to the complexity of what you are uh, uh, analyzing or according to the, the, the complexity of the system. But it's also a mistake to think that systems are consistent in their complexity. For example, uh, oh, this system is very complex, this system is very simple. Quite often it's not the case. Systems have areas that they are very complex and areas that are simpler. So quite often you have those kind of things. And there is a, a concept, I, don't, I, I, I might be using the wrong name if there is a domain-driven design expert in, in the channel there, you can correct the name. But I think that they call it, I think that it's called generic subdomains. I even put a note in there because I wanted to remember that name. I don't like the name. So for me, like I like to, to discuss about support uh, domain and core domain. And the distinction that I make, and this is this normally happens to almost every system. So systems have a specific reason to exist, right? So when someone is sponsoring a software project, they have a specific need that they want to satisfy. And the system will provide certain behaviors for whoever is using that, being users or other systems. 
But as part of that system that we are building, some areas will be uh, a support domain and some areas are the core domain, the reason that the system exists. An example, just, just to, uh, to clarify my point, take, take, take a, um, I don't know, Amazon, right? So there are features that are, you need to create a profile. You need to update your address. You need to have a potential, I don't know, like a, a wish list. Those things, they don't make, ah, they, you need to have an area probably used not by a user like me, but probably used by someone internally to update, to add products to be bought by someone like me. So there are probably a bunch of cruds at the back that someone will populate with products, with other things, with pricing and stuff. So there are there will be some things that are very simple to implement and it doesn't make the system unique. Amazon is not Amazon because they have a, a, a shopping cart, a wish list or, or a, a, a profile management. But they have core features in terms of their logistics, in terms of their recommendation, in how fast they can get a product to your house. And that includes a lot of integrations with multiple systems, warehouses, uh, delivery companies and whatever. Or, uh, so that's what makes their operational side superior and the amount of uh, integration with products, that the, the amount of products that they can sell and store and deliver. And all of that has software behind. So what I'm trying to say is that the degree of... Uh, design and analysis that you do in certain areas on the core areas are far bigger than in some support. That's how I qualify support domain and core domain. And those things need to be, you need to, to cal calibrate the amount of design and analysis and exploration according to the complexity of the domain. But it doesn't need to be a single thing that every system, oh, is it too simple or too complex? I think that is more, there's more nuance than that. But I think that that in its but but what what we are saying here, I think anything you build bespoke, whether it's sport or core, you should model well. The the there is an argument we had on whether you should be building. I think this goes back to the world thing as well. Like what should be custom and what should be commodity? And commodity you buying from somewhere, you're not building it, or you reusing whatever someone else has built, and of course you don't need to model it. So you can kind of put the argument, or I'm assuming what you're saying is that you can put the argument in that way, is that, you know, the core domain is the thing you be custom building and others are, you know, either integrations or so on, but you're not building those things from scratch. And so you don't need to model them because you're not into their complexity, uh, although they might themselves be very complex. And to build those, if they were part, if they were, they are, you know, what's not core to you is core to someone else. And they, you know, modeling it at well is, 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 of course, a good thing to do if you're building it from scratch. Uh, clarifying what I said, I think that, like, you will calibrate the amount of design effort and, tech, and, and techniques according to the size of your problem, right? And the importance of your problem. That, that's what I was saying. And for me, domain-driven design is, is a good body of knowledge, but it's just one, not the only one. It, it is a body of knowledge that has a lot of good design principles at different levels. And you can yeah. use, so for example, I, I, I have a love and hate relationship with domain-driven design, not, not because of the body of knowledge itself, but normally the see the implementations of it. Quite often it's difficult to blame the tool. It, 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 like many, even methodologies and stuff like that. Uh, 
quite often like we see bad implementations or, or overused or bad use of those things. And would you consider the tactical model as an implementation of domain-driven design or as domain? No. So I think that even the tactical model that I actually happen to know well, uh, the the it's a guideline. It's almost like patterns in a way. I say, look, you, if you want to model at low level, so when you talk about tactical, we are going down to a much lower level of design. We are talking about cl classes and groups of classes, right? That's when we start like design about patterns. Like exactly. the design patterns. Exactly. There are not enterprise patterns. There are more local patterns, like at the class level patterns, right? So for me, this is what they are. They say, look, if you are managed, if you're modeling classes as part of your domain, there are eight types of classes that Eric Evans defined that any kind of behavior or data might fit in one, might be one of those types. So if you are in doubt about what this thing that you are trying to write to code, is there are eight things that I define in here. Five are data and three are behavior, like the three services, like application, domain, and infrastructure, and the five data that is entity, uh, value object, aggregate, repository, and factory. So they say, look, those are building blocks. Whatever you are trying to code, it might fit one of those building blocks. And that's, that's not, not how they usually, that's not how the, 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 it's usually applied. <clears throat> the, no, the reason sure. I say that is because it's like it's like with design patterns, you know, people <laughs> you see design patterns everywhere once people read the book of the Gang of Four. Exactly. And the same problem you have with the tactical model is that once they've got a an aggregate, they want the services, they want the value objects, they want you know, they, it's like exactly. a gateway drug. Any one of them, and then you, it ex, your design just explodes into all the others. And but, but, is, but then, sorry, and there is an. No, just, just sorry, just to, but, but then, like, we can argue, for example, there is a set of patterns, not only the Gang of Four, but many other patterns, uh, even the, the, the early days of the enterprise uh, Java patterns, like the J2E that had the whole enterprise uh, patterns in their days. They are a body of knowledge. This is how I qualify them. They are a body of knowledge. And then you, you can see, like, first, I would, I would rather have them, know them, and make an informed decision of not to use them, then not to have anything to base designs on. But then, of course, like for, for people that are more inexperienced, they will do that. They will learn a new shiny tool. They just read a book and, and stuff. They discovered CQRS or events or whatever. And say, so now I want to apply it because I just learned it and I find it's cool. I want that experience. But but I, I still struggle to, to criticize the body of knowledge in a way. I, no, I'm not criticizing the board. I, in, a, in a way, I am because I think that you know the the eight building blocks they kind of simplify. Five, sorry, Jose, just quick class. They kind of simplify the 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 they they lead developers, especially inexperienced developers, to think that here is a recipe, apply that, and you'll end up with good design. And they and it's often blindly followed. And part of the blame has to be laid at the methodology. It's not just the junior developer's fault. It's it's also the 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 cell that this thing this has in making them believe that you know it's religiously apply the tactical model of the domain driven design and we'll end up with good design. In fact, it's almost the opposite if you do that, right? That that's the part that actually irks me. But sorry, yeah. Jose. Yeah, I'll let Jose speak because let's try to speak for a while. No, it's fine. I'm um I, I find myself ag agreeing with some points on on both sides, let's say. But 
my point is, what is the benefit that you will get? For me, that's, you know, we discussed that at the beginning. Like, are you going to get a benefit from thinking in that way, either to explore the, the problem, you know, with the strategic patterns or, or whatever, or giving you some sort of patterns to follow if you're going into the, uh, the, the tactical ones? If you're not... And the example that I was saying before, uh, when when I was mentioning, you know, buying something off the shelf and so on, for me, it's the same. For, because when I buy something off the shelf, yeah, what I'm saying is, okay, someone already defined that stuff for me, whatever ubiquitous language, whatever structure they wanted to define to model this problem that I'm trying to solve, yeah, and I'm okay with that. I don't care you know, for it to be exactly what I, you know, how I think about this, because it will cover 90% of my uh, problems. And then maybe I can go and customize it and, and change whatever. But that's a decision that I'm making at that point. And I think that's a, you know, it it is an informed decision in, in that sense, right? And that's what I mean when you're buying something or when you're using a library and when you're, you know, you're adopting these things, the problem is a lot of the times you do that without knowing that you're making that trade-off. Yeah? yeah, and that is that is what I see as as an issue with something like that. And the other extreme, no, which is I will design everything from scratch myself. I also think it's not a good. No, someone was saying no. It's a, a blog is not a business. Who knows, right? Like that that's not entirely correct whether I need to customize it because my business is super special and then I need to do some stuff, that's that's fine. But it's not, it, it doesn't matter, right? Like I don't have to build it from scratch. However, I agree, you you need to be able to think and reason about it and this will give you tools. Um, but in the end, it's not, it, the, the other thing is like, we've been doing software for a very long time. There, DDD is not the only way. And this is the the other thing, like a lot of the things that you mentioned, like services, repository, etc. they were not invented with, with DDD. You know what I mean? So it's not, I, 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 Renuente, no, I'm, I'm, I don't feel okay, no, we're just following whatever it is that the methodology or the body of knowledge is telling you to, to but, but, but as blindly, I said, like, I, I don't think that like, um, again, I, I read the, the, the blue book three times and I mind mapped half of it, the actual, the tactical part. And it talks about what those things are. And say, look, if you want your model, normally your class, whatever you're trying to write, will probably fall into one of those categories in here. It doesn't prescribe how you map them because this is part of the complexity. It doesn't tell you, for example, how much, uh, how big an aggregate should be or exactly what behavior goes where and how you do that. It's like, those are building blocks. It's exactly what the name says. But then, of course, those building blocks are heavily based on, it was written in 2004, it's very object-oriented. So, for example, it will not, you will not be able to model uh, the touch, using tactical building blocks a functional application or a modern architecture, for example, with serverless and, and, and all this kind of stuff, it will look very odd to use those building blocks uh, if you are not using certain programming languages or, or even patterns as well. So it also talks about, is aligned to separation of concerns. Domain-driven design, the original one, was very based on the three-tier architecture. And that was also coming from the MVC and the separation of 
let's keep the infrastructure and views and stuff separate from your core domain and stuff. And hexagonal architecture was a good fit in there because it still kept the domain protected. I personally don't like hexagonal architecture too much today as I used to. But there was a, a, a question from German. There's a lot of stuff going on on the chat in there. Uh, one of the question was, is DDD similar to something? DDD a bunch of design patterns? DDD equals a hexagonal architecture? No, for me, uh, DDD is a body of knowledge. Is a is a body of knowledge about software design. As we have patterns, and patterns can be at different different levels, from low level patterns like Gengo Four to architectural patterns like uh, potentially like CQRS and, and event sourcing. They are uh, serverless architecture. For me, they are more architectural patterns. But there are for some. There's clean architecture. Uh, that is another body of knowledge that is in the same level of domain driven design on the tactical side. That is interaction-driven design. There's the same live as well. And there are many other uh, that are uh, solid principles, another thing. So that is designed by contract. That is another thing. So those are all different design guidelines. They're, they are not as far as a methodology. They, so some of them are, I mean, like clean architecture is a bit more what Bob did with uh, clean architecture. He, he connected those building blocks. He was a bit more prescriptive in how he would assemble some of those building blocks. Eric Evans doesn't do that with the building blocks. He just say like, those are building blocks. That's where you could put behavior. In the, the word actual building blocks actually says that they are the uh, a unit of build, right? So like yes. they are the material that you build everything else with, right? Yes, and uh, they are one I level think. above the the. the classes themselves yeah, yeah. they're design yeah. patterns and they yeah. the way he, he did them is that this is the set of design patterns and you can use them to build any software right and i i know that they don't that either and it's very it is object oriented but i but, but like i also have a love hate relationship and i don't like the tactical model because i personally think that it is prescriptive not in the sense that you know like telling you in lots of different ways how how the solution should be built but saying that these are the different things all the things that you're going to need to build your system right and and to me that actually creates a lot of complexity in the system when it shouldn't shouldn't be there because people just go on to them and because oh is this an aggregate is this is this a value object is this this and that rather than really thinking about some of the the different concerns in software design to me, like, you know, the four rules of simple design, like coupling and cohesion, those, those kind of a bit more things that you can, they're less prescriptive and more about the quality that you're trying to get. And I know- help you evaluate whatever it is that you're writing, what, you, what you're writing, whether it follows or not the guidelines, it, it allows you to evaluate how well does it fit with what you're trying yeah, to accomplish. Yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. The heuristics about what, how you can evaluate your design and not what the design itself is. Right, and and that's why I like the the that separation. I don't like that prescriptive aspect because I think it can lead to like square pegs in round holes type situations. But so let, let me, I think, and and you're uh, talking about the Evans book, but there is the implementing them in the in design yeah. and the and the distilled yeah. one, which I think are very prescriptive. But, but I, I'm kind of saying <laughs> so with the exactly. So you, you're uh, talking uh, about uh, the body of knowledge, but focusing yeah. on the Evans book and and. Yeah, yeah, I didn't read the green one. I read the, the, the implementing one by von Vernon. And I thought, like, again, like, I'm not here to criticize the, the work of individuals. I, I can only say, like, like, things that I like using or not. I think that he went 
in more prescription. But the, the, the problem with the lack of prescription, mainly when we remove any prescription, we just go back to basic principles. You need a lot of experience just to take very basic and abstract principles and design a software and decide what behavior goes where and how you're going to split your software and stuff. So you need a lot of experience to do that. So splitting and, the software is different part. And that is actually, I like domain-driven design, but I think that is the strategic model. No, but, but the split happens at multiple levels, right? So it happens yeah. all the way from services to, to what you put in a method. No, right? no, no it does. It does. But I think the important part, the split where split should be taught. Is is at the at the levels where you are creating domain boundaries. Right. So right. if we did a better job at explaining coupling and cohesion, that is for yeah. me is the root. For me, the, the centerpiece, like that everything in software design and architecture, at the root you have at the center you have coupling and cohesion. If you understand yeah. that very well, and really? all the variances of like all the, the different, uh, how can I say? Um, Areas of coupling, because coupling, I always say coupling and cohesion are not binary concepts. It's not that it's coupled or not coupled or cohesive, not cohesive. No, there is a, a, a multiple facets of coupling, multiple facets of cohesion, yeah. and they are in a spectrum, each one of them, right? So yes. so the, so the ultimately, it's, it's going down there. But you need to have a lot of experience to know things at the very deep level so that you can learn those concepts and be able to apply with no guideline, with, with just that foundational knowledge to apply. So we can move on from the tactical because as we said, the tactical will fall apart and it's not the core piece. I think that, uh, just finish on the Von Vernon thing, I think that because of the amount of confusion and even sometimes with lack of prescription, not in terms of the building blocks, but how to assemble them and, and assemble bigger parts because even the tactical side in the blue book, you don't you talk about the bounded context, but you don't really define how you define how you decide how much behavior go into each context. So what Von Vernon trying to do is to try to give some direction to avoid the monstrosities that we've seen built following domain-driven design. But then in order to do that, he had to become more prescriptive. And then it also falls short into other areas because if you don't comply to certain but, but that's that, that again, some prescription, some prescription is, is fine, especially if you're learning. It's like the Shuhari kind of journey, no? Like first do this, no? And then you can start spraying, you know, moving away from from that, no? That That's fine. It, it's not an issue. Um, should, we, should we move on to other things that are also yeah. related to DDD that yeah. are not only, no? Because... Um, By the way, can we just... Like I didn't think you guys are mentioning CQRS and it, or especially event sourcing as part of domain-driven design. I'd like to know more because I didn't. I mean, I I didn't consider them as part of domain-driven design. So, so what are the way I see this is as domain-driven design evolved, right? So there was the first book in two thousand and four, and then it. Uh, and even Martin Fowler wrote the, the, the forward to the, the, the Eric Evans book. So it, it, it got a lot of attention, let's say, by a lot of people. And the domain-driven design community grew in many countries and stuff. And more people came in and it started adding, well, saying, look, we need a little bit more things. For example, one of the bigger additions was another building block. For example, uh, events are today considered a building block in domain-driven design. If you look at the newer books of domain-driven design, events is one of the building blocks. And, and as we had more modern architectures, so people start talking more about 
architecture as well. And Greg Young was one of the people that was always around the domain-driven design community and, and Alberto Brandolini. So Alberto Brandolini created the event storming. There is a way to analyze domain uh, and help to popularize uh, events as part of a building block. But then Greg Young also, that was always in, in the, 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 the conferences, he started talking about CQRS and event sourcing on those conferences. And that became like a, an architectural pattern that was, I wouldn't say that it's part of the main design, but it's an architectural style that is very common within the domain-driven design community, similar to event storming. It's not part it, of the especially but it's a, with, yeah. Especially with the with microservices coming into the picture exactly. and everyone wanted to know. So they combine very well, no? And yeah. once you have those separate bounded context and all this stuff and you want to you know start sending messages to each other and and so on then you know it, I, I it, personally because the, the reason why, the there might be i don't know the history of event sourcing but i find it very difficult to relate it to domain driven design because event sourcing the key concept in event sourcing is not related to domain well i mean of course events can be modeled as domain events and those kind of things right but they it's not directly related to domain design, in my view. I don't know the history behind it, so I can't can't say, but I find it very difficult to connect. And CQRS, in my view as well, is, is about separating the, the, the commands the and queries and so on. So again, I don't know how they connect to, like I'm taking a very purist view of domain-driven design, which is like kind of things that pushed out from Eric Evans, right? And I'm not sure that, event sourcing or CQRS was a direct result of Eric Evans' work. That's why no, I no, no, it's no, part of domain no. design. So, so again, maybe there are some people from the DGD community that are, uh, but like my understanding is as domain-driven design became more and more popular, the communities grew, more and more people started having conferences and stuff. So what they were, add, they were adding to the, the body of knowledge because for some domain-driven design, as far as I understand, when we talk about uh, bounded context and context mapping, we don't go all the way to architecture. We don't, don't, don't go all the way to microservices and how we deploy those things. It's more like about the separation. And, and I don't even think that it's great, by, by the way. I think that it talks about how the, 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 the bounded context, the kind of relationship that the bounded context have with each other, if it's a a shared kernel or whatever, like the, the consumer and whatever it is. I forgot now about all the different types of relationships, but it doesn't tell you how you actually define the amount of behavior within a bounded context and let alone how you deploy. And, and, and I think that, uh, uh, so as the community evolved, they had to apply that into modern architectures using cloud and all those things. So architectural concepts start coming in and say, look, we need, because what happened when you, when you think about, uh, I was discussing that a few years ago in a conference. And we, in the past, domain-driven design, well, we would design a monolith, right? So back in the day, our applications were monolith. So microservice, like in, the, in 2004, were not a thing. We were still talking about probably enterprise server buses and stuff like that. As we start breaking the, the deployables into smaller services, this created a, 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 a kind of a tension with, within domain-driven design. Because now if you think about, if your services are very small and they don't have a lot of behavior inside, 
your domain modeling moves to architectural level. So you're now mo modeling services. So you're not modeling just now local classes anymore. So the way that you do, for example, persistence and, uh, for example, in the past, what we would do, because this is what uh, I think that um, create a big tension in there, because in the past, entities and aggregates are the root of the domain model. In terms of domain-driven design, does, I'm not giving my opinion if I like or dislike, but people would model their entities and aggregates. As you distribute your systems and your services become much smaller, that entity relationship management that we had, like each entity had a one-to-one, one-to-many, many-to-one, and all this kind of stuff where everything was connected. Now they are all distributed. So modeling, so the entities had a... a there was a tension in there because now everything was distributed. So you had to model much smaller services with far less entities connected. And these had triggers are like, look, why don't we split those things? And that's when architectural patterns had to evolve, domain-driven design had to adapt to a new demand in terms of architecture and scalability and so on and so forth. Before everything was stateless, big application, that's how it started. But that's why those things were incorporated, the events, and then that led. The main events were uh, uh, incorporated, I know. They were, they were part of domain design, but the event sourcing itself was, I mean, I know that they were like, I agree that, you know, they, but I'm, ju I'm just, uh, uh, the, the, it came from the same community, but the, the part that I'm, I'm, I'm still skeptical about is whether the two are, if the two are part of the same body of knowledge. I think uh, let's, put, let's put say they are not, they, they didn't derive. They are more, there are in the complementary, complementary. Yeah. They yeah. are being put together for certain, certain communities, like similar, like maybe it's a, a horrible analogy, but it's almost like craftsmanship. We like to talk about XP. And there are things that we bring very close to us because we feel that are very aligned and stuff. So some architectural patterns, hexagonal architecture. Hexagonal architecture was created by Alistair Coburn, like in, in I think late nineties, and it became a good thing for it because it protects the domain. Before when domain-driven design was written, we were talking about layered application, but hexagonal architecture was easily adopted because it was it's adopted. And that's domain. what I mean. That for example, event sourcing can exist without domain-driven design, and so can hexagonal architecture as well. Totally, yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think that's what that, that's what. Uh, I would like to take the conversation to something that I do like about domain-driven design. So, for example, like domain, it's like I might be sh sh seeming quite skeptical of, of domain-driven design. I am not. I'm skeptical of the tactical model, but I am actually very much for the 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 strategic model. I think it's a good set of tools for problem analysis, and I'm I like problem analysis. I think the more uh, uh, emphasis we can put on that, the better, better it it does. And uh, I don't know. Maybe we should we should discuss the the strategic aspect of domain driven design a bit more in the next. The the, the, the you know like the, the strategic side. I don't know. I, I'm not up to date. I must confess with the new, uh, the most recent book uh, or books in domain driven design. But like in the strategic side, they were talking about context mapping and bounded context in general. Of course, the, the ubiquitous language is a thread that runs across tactical and, 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 and strategic. But like the, from what I remember, like in terms of context mapping and uh, bounded context, the, they talk about the relationship between them. So for example, 
uh, dependencies. Like if you change one bounded context, do you need to change the other one? So what is the order? Who who triggers the change? Who is the master? And I, I forgot exactly the, the the right terminology. The, yeah, you got you got uh, upstream a, and downstream and yeah, downstream, upstream downstream. You've got um, yeah anti corruption layer in there as well. There is an anti corruption got, layer. The two uh, together. I've got the name for it. The two together. The you know. Yeah. So, but, so, yeah. so there, are, there is this this uh, relationship. I think I have it in here now. Separate weights, open host service, conformist, customer supplier teams, shared kernel, uh, and things like that. So, I personally find that it's at the before I knew anything. This was a good knowledge because I didn't have that knowledge. I didn't think about that. The the the, the the kind of the, the the strength of the relationship, if you like, the power balance, if you like, between those bounded contexts. This is what the, he talks about. But when we do our job, for example, we go to a client or, or any person like listening to, to this uh, conversation. So you want to put in a software team and you need to sit down with the, the business and we need to understand what the business is about so that you can architect your system. You need to decide what would be my bounded contexts and what I'm going to deploy together, what I'm going to deploy separate, and what's the relationship. I don't think that in that book has enough information for people to make that decision well. So, for example... The, the Evans I'm, book is what you're talking about now. I'm talking about the Evans book. I don't know right. exactly what Von Vernon did in that area, or if there is more work in that area that becomes more prescriptive. or well, not, not prescriptive, but has better guidelines. But I, I can give you... Quite a few examples. When we do that modeling, when we sit down with different stakeholders to understand what the bounded contexts are, we take multiple perspectives. One perspective is what are the different actors that is gonna that are gonna be interacting with the system, and what are the main journeys that they will have. As I mentioned in the previous examples from Amazon, me as a customer, I will have one type of uh, journey or a few types of journeys. And I will interact with certain bounded contexts. I will find a product, add to my shopping basket. I will try to pay them and so on and so forth. There might be other people, other actors that will interact with the system in a different way. They will add products to the system. They will calculate price. They will decide which products are available in each country and so on and so forth. So this is one perspective. What are the actors? What are their jobs? There's nothing to do with domain-driven design. Another perspective. Data ownership, which bounded because the data, like there are who is who owns each piece of data? What do I mean by ownership? Who can change? Which service can change certain data? But those services don't they don't just operate with that data, they probably need data from other services as well, or they submit data to other services. So that definition of data ownership is a different perspective. There are regulations or compliance. For example, certain areas of your system, they need to be more secure or they need to be under certain regulations like a payment system and PCI compliance and stuff like that. And I can go on forever. So those are multiple perspectives that we need to use to define bounded context and decide what go the coupling between them, how talkative those domain contexts are. If they're very talkative, you probably want to deploy them together. If they are less talkative, you probably want to deploy them separately. So all operational requirements, some others you need to scale more than others. So all of that are guidelines, are design guidelines for bounded context that as far as I'm aware, 
they don't exist in the, the original work. And I'm not quite sure if they exist on the following work. So strategic wise, I think that is still not there. I, I think the concept, the concept of, um, yeah, it's not there, but the concept, it's a higher, higher level concept is actually very important. And ubiquitous language, although runs through both tactical and strategic, it is part of strategic. And the, the reason I like the, the, um, the, the, the idea, and it was one of the first time that this idea was well described, mm -hmm. is that your system is made up of a bunch of subsystems that are loosely coupled and highly cohesive. And it goes back to that coupling and cohesion. And all the things that you described are then actually a talk, uh, they, they are perspective on that, you know, how you like, what level of cohesion and what kind of coupling and all those kind of things, right? And they it did try to make uh, some um, a kind of, a, some kind of, uh, let's say, guidance on the, I'm talking about the relationship between components. And I thought that was very important as well. And, and the idea of a language that is, um, a the idea of the bounded context and the language that is applicable within that bounded context I thought was also a very strong idea. Now, of course, these things already exist. They just put names to the things that were, you know, already there in a lot of ways. But I felt that those are the things that I still use in my like if I was to reason about systems and so on, I would still use them. Of course, you know, you the way you design them, so on the and you kind of over it over time you learn through experience on the on, on other knowledge that you bring to bear but the reason that i like the strategic model is because it made these aspects of of problem analysis very popular it made kind of aligning on the language within a context that thing popular the 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 context map popular uh, these things and I I like it because of that and I still use it and I think that's why I've, I have that's what I mean by the love hate relationship I have with domain driven design is that it for me like my journey in design software design this is the first time I came across problem analysis in a in a bit more structured way than um, than you know what universities and other things taught you this was better than than you know entity relationship modeling or verbs and nouns and all those kind of things this was this was more strategic let's say and i think that has grown and really understanding that and using that it can is is actually it's one of those things that there is no harm in teaching that at whatever level there is harm in teaching tactical level without deep understanding but there's no harm in teaching that because I'm not, I wouldn't say that people would make uh, messes just because they did that, that part. I think they would, they would end up with slightly better things if they only did that. that that's my, my point of view on the strategic design side. I want to, a good set of tools. I, I wanted to throw in because you were talking again about the, the book, no, and how much uh guidance does he give there in order to you know take that to practice and uh, one thing that is very popular as well is the event storming 
workshops and which means it is a tool for discovery of of how that would look like yeah uh, and it's a bit of a hybrid between some of the things that you mentioned on the the perspective of the actor and then you know no or customer journey or service blueprint because again a lot of these things are not new <laughs> you know they're not new they're or new. unique to, to this thing well, that's right? like okay. you know we stand on we're, we're cross-pollinating like a lot here right yeah exactly um, but but basically i i do see it as a very good tool to discover and again using some of these concepts you know think about your problem space and then how you want to split things and what makes sense to put together or not and you know what is but just because you know you have events no does it mean that you need to use events exactly that because any any project that starts with event sourcing although i like event sourcing a lot as a problem exploration tool right not even sourcing, event storming so every project that starts with event storming often i see ends up with an event-based oh, complexity. Exactly. With a lot of stuff that you didn't need <laughs> for yeah. Yeah. So, so, so this, so, this so. really drives me crazy, right? So uh, I know Alberto Brandolini well, and um, I really, I think that event storming is a great technique. But I, I was reading in the chat, and I know that some people really like it and stuff. But this is the difference, right? So... Event storming for me is a fantastic te technique, as you said, uh, Jose, to explore new domains. So I like the idea of saying, look, we know that we need to build something, but we are not quite clear exactly what or how and stuff. No, not how, but more what, right? So what, what, when this happens, what should happen? Or if this happens, will it happen because of what? And we start creating this sequence of events, but not code events, events, business events, right? So this should happen. And then maybe this, this user will do that and then they will do that. And then this should happen and this should happen. So keeping at that level, exploring the product, the, the, the software, the, the kind of capabilities that we want to provide to the external world. So that is great. The, uh, and I think there is a great technique, as many others, as we have like, uh, um, what is it, value stream mapping, sequence as we have diagram. Like <laughs> Sequence diagram. Right, sequence diagram. So <laughs> as we have tons of other tools to discuss uh, domains or explore and stuff like that, the problem is because event storm is so cool in order to figure it out, it's a very nice way to discuss with the business and get them engaged to talk about the business, the domain, what should happen after. And once this happens, what should happen next and next and blah, blah, blah. And before that, what should have happened before that and so on. So this is a very cool way to guide the, this, uh, a workshop and get the information that you need. The problem is now you have all those events before and after the actions and all this kind of stuff. And then people go and create one event. Uh, uh, they create that in code. And then now you have like, an application that is deployed in the same uh, deployable units, right? So a single application that has loads of events. We have like classes that you wrote them all. They are all belong to you. You create them all, but they don't talk to you. They don't, you cannot instantiate a class and call a method. No, no. I need to create an event buzz internally through code and throw an event so that another class that subscribes to it with classes that I own within the same domain. How on earth does this make sense to anyone? 
that you would have domain on a synchronous call with classes under the same deployable, right? So normally like this should be an architectural pattern, use queues and connect servers and stuff, no. And then you have all this accidental complexity for absolutely no reason whatsoever. It's just a instantiate a bloody class, call a method in there and get done with it. It, it, it does uh, just like, yeah, of course it makes sense across services and it makes sense in the front end as well where rendering is, is, a, is an issue, but yeah, you're trying to solve a technical, technical problem. Um, but yeah, not, not when it comes, you know, calling one method can call another that's built into your language. Don't reinvent method in function invocation. Yeah. <laughs> now you add all those layers of abstraction and events is one of the the kind of like the most uh how can i say when you take coupling to the the most decoupled way you throw an event and you don't even know who is going to consume or when you consume you don't even know who sent so but that creates such a level of indirection that is almost impossible for you to track the, the the system and then you have an application that is all deployed together and you cannot trace what's happening in the bloody application so one thing is to do across services, but like within classes, within the same memory uh, space, I see absolutely. But then the problem is not event sourcing. Oh, sorry, event storming. This is the problem. The problem is, I don't think that the problem is domain-driven design or, or event storming or CQRS. The problem is that obsession that people have when they learn a new tool and they start blindly applying, right? So... I would not use event storming to model my system. I would use event storming to run very good workshops with the business so that we all understand what needs to be done. But I will take that information and then I will model my system properly. That's what I and normally prefer. One more thing that I would say is like, if you're coming in new, no? Because this, this I've also seen, no? Uh, we want to apply the, the everywhere. We, we're coming in here, let's, let's run workshops and the, you know, like, it can be seen because you're discovering but you're the only one that's kind of discovering no so everyone's already aware of what that domain is everyone is aware of how things work they may not have it documented in the same way yeah but the knowledge is is there and you triggering this can be seen as a waste of time basically because again, we're we're doing something. I mean, we're not gonna be and you know we're not gonna end up implementing that particularly. No, we're okay. It's it's good to understand etc. But when are we gonna start writing the stuff that we need to get done for real? And this is another uh, another thing there that plays against it as well. And although it's great, you know, you can run workshops etc. When are we gonna deliver? Which is kind of important in in most cases. No? There is there is. Like there is one thing that that I find in event storming is is it, although it's problem analysis is using certain design tools for it, and it leads people to less experienced people towards thinking that they already have software design. It's exactly the same problem with the tactical model of domain driven design. Leads people towards thinking. The design work for their software is done. They just have to follow that formula. The same problem with the gang of four patterns that leads people to think that they, they just have to put that pattern in and they've got good design. I think this is the problem, the thing that runs through them. And although we can, we blame, we can blame people for not truly understanding the intent, 
behind certain things, although Ganga 4 is a side because it is very prescriptive and it tried to do something, but it didn't really work. But there is a, some problem laid at the door of the methodology itself. There is some blame to be laid at the door of the methodology itself. Is is that it, it's using using design tools and it's asking them to. It's it's almost giving you this formula, and it needs to be very clear that this is not the formula. It's not a formula, or it needs to be taught in a way that it's very clear that it's not a formula because that then becomes the root of a lot of problems in software systems. Yeah, but the quality is very complicated because as soon as you release something that you find there are good guidelines within a context, like people will interpret this way. It's very difficult to have control because like we know very well, like we can read exactly the same piece of news on a newspaper and come up with completely different uh, uh opinions about that. And this is true for everything, right? So it's almost impossible for anyone that is sharing their knowledge and creating it's like, look, I think this is a useful technique and that's how I use it. That's why I created it and, and blah, blah, blah. But it's almost use, impossible to control how those the how Chinese whispers, right? Because that, and some of the most, some yeah, and some of the clever people, some of the cleverest people get it wrong. Because like, if I look at the Gang of Four Patterns, it came out of the uh, language for, for, I think it was called the language for patterns by Christopher Alexander. And, and from there, they came up with, like, they were impressed by that and, and came up with the Gang of Four Patterns. But Christopher Alexander itself later, because a few people tried it in different places, and he, not just in software development. And he said himself, he said, I'm talking about a language for patterns to be designed using the problem context not a generic language that exists outside the problem context. And then, so not just a bunch of patterns for any problem. It's a bunch of problems for specific problems. But, 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 but this is what they are, right? So the, the, the patterns, they start, the, 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 they start with the, the, the problem domain. And so like, this is like, this is the problem. That is, this is the common problem that we find. This is a common solution for a common problem. They no, are but really see that at the, the, the level that he's talking about, Christopher Alexander talks about the domain itself. So, so the problem that he means is is actually a problem at the higher level, not not the not the piecemeal problem, not this problem, this solution, this problem, this solution. But he's talking about um, the overall problem. Yeah, but, but that, that's where, where, that was the criticism of the thing. Sure. He's talking about the domain itself. Like, if we're building a system for this thing, he calls that the problem. But it, just keep knowledge at that level, it will be very difficult to, to, to share knowledge because like I think that it's useful to to have like uh, at least while you are learning, you are you saying, look, if you want to do something like, I don't know, like you want to create a complex kind of object graph, you know what, there are a few creational patterns that you might choose from that might be good for your uh, solution. If you want to see, see what I'm saying, so there no, are. No, I, I agree with the learning argument, by the way, but but we but we are not learning. We like we we are. I agree when you, when you talk about training, when you're talking about when you talk about those things, we that argument I agree in there. Yes, of course, like these kind of um, patterns to to practice over. I agree, but when they appear in real life production systems. That's no, not a place to be learning. I have a lesson, for example, like 
if you talk about sorting algorithms, right? So some people thought deeply about them and stuff. And then it's like, you need to implement a sort. Yeah, like don't try to come up with the whole math in your head and uh, what would be the log n or whatever that is and, and stuff. And I, how I think that's a different thing. So no, sorting out the generic problems is, and generic solutions. No, no, it's a common solution to problems. So, so within sorting, you can have all those different types of solutions that you can apply and they perform in different ways. Or for those, when you are creating certain things, those are patterns. And when you are designing database, you can use these and stuff like that. So I think that having that body of knowledge that you go, you can go to for si simple things that, that are common across every system is not a bad thing. The, the thing is when we don't, we cannot discern when to use certain tools or techniques or workshops and stuff in the right place. This is for me a slightly different, but I'm not, I don't have a problem with having this body of knowledge because otherwise we are always trying to go to very high level concepts and we need to recreate that. We cannot build on top of anything in that. So for example, we discuss about patterns today and domain-driven design or clean architecture or uh, example, because like someone thought of like in this context, if you want to protect your design, uh, your domain, you can invert a dependency and use hexagonal architecture. Great, this is a principle. You can use that. Doesn't mean that you need to or you should. But there is a guideline if that you have that kind of problem. The problem is like I want to use whatever, like in a context that is. But I like having that body of knowledge. I just we just need to do a better job in teaching them where to apply and having discussions like this one, and say, look, we like this bit. Just like this bit, this is where I would use this, this, is where I would not use this. But I like that we have those body of knowledges available to us. No, no, I, this is what I'm saying. That then the my even my problem with the, the my problem with the domain, the tactical model of domain driven design is not that it exists. My problem is that it is it is arranged as a set of things that's all you're going to need to build good software that that is my problem whether that was probably not intended intended or not that's how it's perceived and that's my problem with it but but then you can yeah but but this this is this is where i i i struggle with because like i like the idea that people go out and share and say look i do this kind of work very often and given the kind of work that i do very often and I try different approaches, I think that this is a good approach to tackle that. So, and I should encourage that to happen more often. But when people take that experience, that knowledge, and they misapply, either because they misunderstood or they applied in a different context, I would be very careful not to criticize the, the body because like one thing is just someone categorically say, look, you know what guys, this is the thing. Design, software design is resolved. That problem doesn't exist anymore because I have the definite set of tools and you don't need anything else regardless of what you do. I will have a big issue with that. Mm -hmm. No doubt. I believe that not only me, but everyone else will try to poke holes in it and destroy that. Mm -hmm. But once someone comes in and says, look, this is what I do. I do very often in this context. I think this is a good idea. And I, by the I, way, guys, you can use it if you want. This is the, I'm just sharing knowledge with you. I can teach you, I can run some trainings. If they want to make money on top of their own creations, I have no issues with, with it. People may decide if they want to pay or not. 
but but this is the, so this is no, what I, 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 I agree with that. By the way, I'm not like, for example, I'm not criticizing Eric Evans for writing what he did. And I think uh, Jose Yare is saying that he doesn't arrange it as as a thing that he, you know, he's, he's showing that these are the things that you can use. And that's why what, what I'm trying to say is my problem is not with the author itself, but 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 the way that it then go, goes across and the way that it's adopted. And this is like at least at the time, I've not developed for a while, but at the time when I was really into domain-driven design and the tactical model and, and building it, I have seen many systems that are pure tactical domain-driven design systems. And because of that, they were poorer because of it. And I think those and, and people were very proud of them as well. Did you see that? And 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 it's like it's like the holy grail. Like you know, you cannot. Yeah, but this is how it is. This is what what the book says. You know, this is how. Like, look, I'm using that, and this is. It's all a good thing. That's the. It's the adoption. So like, it's not whether Eric Evans wrote it. I mean, I I'm glad that he wrote it. It's it's the adoption. It's the kind of almost like this this cargo cults that that then appear at the and which we developers kind of are very susceptible to and we you know create communities and dogmas around it that's my problem and and, and, and i agree with that the, i know that we are kind of like into like an hour and five we have a good engagement we have quite a few people still interacting there is one thing i i, I would not like to to introduce a new topic right now because this is what jose does and not me uh, but like, <laughs> so, but there is one thing that I want to say, because I, I've been quite like, I, I have a love and hate relationship, but I've been quite soft in a way with, in this conversation, there is one thing, and there is a criticism on the, the on the main design and mainly on the focus. I dislike, and I think that Gerai has been talking about a bit of that, uh, on the, the chat about functional modeling and other things like that. So one thing that I dislike in domain-driven design is that I still feel, even with the domain events uh, focus, I still feel that it's very entity aggregate, state-based centric. And I don't feel that, like, I don't like the idea of modeling my domain without knowing how it's going to be used from outside. And this is the issue that are the main issue that I have with the vast majority of the body of knowledge. I like the idea of coming from outside. I like the idea of saying like, how does the user or other systems want to use my system? And the domain model should evolve according to the external needs. Like I don't, this is one of the reasons that I don't like hexagonal architecture today. I don't like the idea of like, let's create our pristine, our beautiful domain model that we discussed with the business and stuff. We know all the business rules, but we still, not, we still don't know how it's going to be used from outside. And then once you discuss the outside and we discuss the, the API or the user journey, you feel that, that that core domain doesn't fit precisely what you want. And then you build that horrendous layer of adapters to make sure that you can satisfy the external world. And I think that that is a horrendous thing to do. I would rather, I still, I'm a big adept of outside in design, that comes with outside the NTDG and modeling behavior, which your code will become far more functional when you're because you are now modeling behavior, not state. So it's like, what are the user journeys? What is the API? What are we providing to the external world? Let's start from there. Because if we don't know 
who is using the system and how they're using the system, why would we build anything at the back? And this is the main problem that I currently have. So I would define that first and then only build and evolve my domain gradually in slices, in vertical slices, one feature at a time. And as I, as I have more features coming to the same area of the domain, I would be evolving my domain. But for example, in this case, you would be modeling behavior because every time that we discuss requirements with the business, either through requirement documents or user stories or whatever you do, it's always about a verb. As a user, I would like to verb. It's always about verbs and we don't model verbs, we model states. And I think this is the issue that I have. I would rather mo model those things Make sure that I can see those behaviors. Like when I talk about the domain model, I don't want to see what my core entities are. I want to see what are the core features that are being delivered by this system. It's very yeah, different. But, but that, that depends. That depends because when you're, <laughs> when you're doing event storming, no, but when you're doing event storming, because you're, I don't know what you're thinking of exactly now, but when you're doing event storming, you do have commands as well. Right? Like you, you do have, those actions and in like so, ddd as well it doesn't always depict it like that you do your entities first right you can do your services first no so when you are talking about a lot of the domain modeling uh the domain driven design implementations they will be talking about their aggregates they're going to be talking about their bounded context and stuff but you're not going to tell we are not analyzing how those things are going to be used from outside how, what is the interface of those aggregates? So those things are, are they firstly define the general behavior, the business behavior, and this is what hexagonal architecture does. It protects your domain, and then you figure out how you're going to plug in the rest, both persistence well, arguably, and Arguably not, because it you in even like hexagonal, you define your, your ports. Adapter is what you think of, and ports are part of your domain. Sure, but then what do you what do you first? Code in order right? to define your that is the interface. Sure, but in order to define your ports and adapters, which direction do you come in? Do you come in from outside so that I understand what the outside wants and then I create that interface to satisfy that well, and then I design the domain? Argu arguably your API is your ports. Depends right, on at what level you're talking about hexagonal architecture as well, right? Well, so it depends. So <laughs> Yes. It depends. Depends. Hey. The reason I would say that is because like you might or might not be also building the front end because this changes where the, the, the ports and adapters are. If you build both ends, you, I could agree with you that your ports and adapters are your API layers because you are also building the front end and the entire user journey and everything else. But you might just be providing an API that's going to be consumed by other systems and stuff. And that is slightly different, but you are still providing that API layer is providing the behavior that your system provides to the external world. But, uh, I'm just playing the devil's advocate, but you know, your, your front end could, I mean, not that I would advocate this, but the front end in domain driven design could be another, another bounded context. Right? No, it's not. It's clearly not. It's completely separate. In, at least in the original book, they talk about the three tiers. And application separation of application, uh, uh, but, business, and persistence. Yeah, but I thought we were talking about hexagonal just now. <laughs> no, no, sure. But what, what I'm trying to say, we were talking about hexagonal architecture. What I'm trying to say is, in domain-driven design, the front end 
And the way that they use hexagonal architecture, the front end is not another bounded context. It's just the delivery mechanism, as Uncle Bob refers to call them in clean architecture. But that's a separate thing that you, so your domain model is protected from your user interface and from your uh, infrastructure and persistence and stuff. Right, well, so it's uh, not a separate bounded context. Sandra, going, going back again to, to uh, event uh, storming, um, there are actors represented there, and you do have that outside perspective of how people are going to be using this. In system. event if storming, you're doing it, in event yeah. storming, I'm yeah. not talking about domain-driven design. I'm talking about event storming with a technique to explore domain. Yes, of course there is actors. You cannot do. With but that. by the way, we maybe we should have another uh, session on implementing domain-driven design. <laughs> this is like this conversation can go on for a long time, and I'm conscious we like already 13 minutes in of uh, overrun time. No, that's so, fine. Uh, yeah, so I think we should we should try to wrap up. Okay, so <laughs> right, what are your final words, Mesh? Your considerations, your final considerations. My, I mean, if the question, like to answer the original question, is domain-driven design worth it? My my personal view is that yes, it's worth it. I think the problem analysis part is very interesting and you should look at it. And the tactical part, please don't use it as a recipe. If there are some good patterns in there, you can have a look at them, although I'm not a fan of a lot of them. Uh, but, <laughs> but you, you know, there are patterns in there. But definitely don't try to think that they are then your uh, database entities and those kind of things. That's a, quite a misnomer in there as well. But uh, to answer the question, yes, domain-driven design is a good body of knowledge. If all you can do is to read the books and see the intent behind, not the solution itself, but the actual intent and how they try to describe you, uh, describe the the actual what problem that they're trying to or Eric Evans is trying to solve I think that in itself is is a is a very worthy read and, and you should definitely try to read it uh, it's although it's difficult uh, it's a big book but do, you do, definitely try to read it. it's boring as hell that book it's it's you boring just reminded me we just, you just reminded me of communism <laughs> it's like a great idea eh? in theory and then implementation in theory, in theory, yeah, yeah. don't let it corrupt you basically. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a very good analogy yeah, just like communism <laughs> let's wrap up before we go into the politics I'll, yeah, I'll no, stop at that I'll stop so, at that so yeah so on someone was asking about uh, books so definitely I, I, I plus one to what my said on the read the the Evans book like if you don't have to do it all at once in one pass but find a go a couple of chapters uh like the one that sandra was saying before where it describes the relationship between bounded concepts etc et I, I think that was interesting again go through it at least uh in passing uh it's a it's it's good uh there's also a new book from uh bob burnham the strategic uh, monoliths and microservices i think it's called or something like that uh which i'm looking forward to to take a look at because uh, supposedly it focuses on the strategic side of of this so maybe there's there's new stuff and it's quite recent as well so 
that. Uh, maybe we should check that out and and have a second round <laughs> at this. <laughs> yeah. So for me, like the, the final considerations, like you heard, like the books are are all the books in DDG by Von Vernon and uh, and Eric Evans. But the, so learn, read them, learn the body of knowledge, and then make your own judgment, as we always say, right? So you cannot just start judging things when you don't really understand them deeply. Uh, but what I would say, my final words is, I like the idea of modeling behavior and focus my modeling in behavior and from the use of the external world. I think that my domain model should evolve given what we are trying to provide to the external world. And I would start always from that part and not just go to the center, start evolving a domain and then try to figure out how it's going to be used. And I don't like this approach myself. So I prefer the outside in. I prefer a code that is more functional. I prefer that my entities and aggregates, this is a big issue that I have with domain-driven design. Instead of them, they being instead of they being the centerpiece of my domain, how we start thinking, I prefer them to be almost like a functional code. They're just data structure. We need data to, to perform some operations and they emerge from the operations that we are providing instead of being the, the centerpieces. So modeling behavior is much harder, but if you are able to do that, you see that your code will become far more functional as well. And I prefer that approach. I think it's more modern, more scalable, and you make your, you even like with TQRS and stuff like that, you see that the value of entities diminish and you focus more on data structures and behavior. I think this is more aligned to how we discuss behavior with the business as well. Right when we discuss what we need to build, we discuss exactly that behavior and data that needs to be persisted or returned. I think that domain-driven design that model huh? data that needs to be received as well. Yes, exactly. So this is far more aligned to how we do we analyze the problem domain than just having data as the centerpiece and then try to squeeze the behavior somewhere. So this is this is my preference, and that's why I have an issue sometimes with domain-driven design, or at least domain-driven design implementations that I've seen. I can put like that. Yeah. Actually, what you're saying, Sandro, almost reminds me of the talk by Rick Hickey, the inventor of closure, uh, or creator of closure, as you'd say, is not inventor of Lisp at all. Uh, who, and the talk is called Simple. Uh, versus easy or simple made easy. A uh, simple versus easy, I think. And yeah, he talks about leaving data alone, which is a very different thing, but it's about the relationship between data and behavior as well. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. Well, thanks everyone uh, that are on the chat. Thanks for your contributions. And it was very funny. Like I had to hold my uh, laugh like for some of the comments that you wrote in there. So it was very cool. Thanks for your questions and comments. And, and yes, we'll be here probably next week. We'll see. I'm on holidays next week, so we're still not sure. But like, let's see how it goes. Thank you, everyone. Uh, Thank and you I'll see listening. you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.